Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand my ground, won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground, and I won't back down. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground, and I won't back down. Well, I know what's right. I got just one life in a world that keeps on pushing me around. But I stand my ground, and I won't back down. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground, and I won't back down. No, I won't back down. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 80th installment of Please Call Me Crazy. This is David Penn, your guest host tonight. Filling in again for the traveling Royce White. Glad to be with you. Excited to be with you. Here we go again. Another chance to be with the Please Call Me Crazy audience. Lots going on. Lots going on. And we could get into all of the news and all of the commentary. But tonight we're going to have a Greatest Hits installment. And when I say Greatest Hits... I have a catalog of things I've been working on at the Professor Penn podcast, and perhaps some of you are there and you've gone and subscribed, and I hope you do. I have my own program working there, and I've taken some of the greatest hits of what we worked on uh, since Free People Radio started hosting Please Call Me Crazy and the Professor Penn podcast, and we're going to go over them tonight just because they're fantastic. It's Friday night. We're on, we're, you know, it's thank God it's Friday. Let's have a little entertainment. Let's look at some of the things that are just really fun to watch. Some of them are not so pleasant, but they're fun. I mean, it's, it's Americana. It's the history of our country. I want to thank Free People Radio, as always, for giving us the platform to pursue truth media. And uh, it's never too much to say it over and over again. We're pursuing the truth. I am not saying, and I know Royce is not saying, that we know what truth is. We're trying to get closer and closer and closer to the truth. And that is a, a contratemp to legacy media, which has given us a narrative, and we're just supposed to believe it like minions. And we don't believe it. We're trying to get down to the bottom of things, understand the world we're living in, understand the long con, because we're Marx. And the con ends when the Marx say, up yours, we're not playing this game. 
And that's what we're doing here. We have to get the job done if we want to maintain our human freedom and our human well-being. Our sponsors, our first sponsor, Tireget.com, T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com. Everything you need for tires, your vehicles are going to have everything. It's whatever you want, whatever you need. You go to Tireget, and when you buy your tires at Tireget, you're funding the movement, and we need your support. And we're asking for your support of our other sponsors, MyBookie.com and GhostBed.com. These are the patriot economy companies that are supporting Truth Media. And we, the American citizens, need to support these companies. So please go to Target, go to my bookie, go to GhostBed, spend a little money. It's a requirement if you want to be free. Because when we go down to the big box stores and spend our money there, even if the price is better, they're taking your money and they're turning it into a noose and you're going to stick your neck into it, and they're going to hang you with that money. We have got to create our own political economy. You know, all these big box stores, all these big companies, they're woke. They're woke. They're supporting all of the initiatives that are aimed at reducing me and you to inventory. They're not interested in our well-being. They're interested in extracting from us our data, our cash, and whatever else they can take from us because they believe in piracy, drugs, and slavery. That's who they are. Hey, that's who they are. We're wage slaves. 60% of our citizens have chronic diseases. They're on drugs. Piracy, hey, that's inflation, baby. You can't get any more piratical than taking people's money away through inflation. So we're not about that here. We're about restoring well-being. We're about making sure everybody has a good job here in the United States of America. Come on. These things are important. Our well-being. Our well-being. We're not into drugs. We're into the natural way. We want people to be well. Now, if you're taking drugs, I'm not saying stop taking them. But I'm saying there's so many things you can do to support your well-being beyond what we have to do when we interface with the medical industry. You know, have anybody, let's say, let's say I'm taking a drug, which I'm not, but let's say I was. And I would identify myself not as being healed because something was making my symptoms go away. I would know that underlying that drug is a disease process. So what I would do is I'd go take a walk every day in the sun, in the cold, in the rain, in the snow. I would be outside in the natural way because that environment is healing. It's healing to me. I know it. If you just take a walk, you really want to double down? Walk barefoot on the grass. It does something to your electromagnetism. It's good for you. Look it up. You can find it for yourself. I would eat better. When I say better, natural foods. I'd stay away from additives and chemicals and hormones and spike proteins. Yes, it costs more to buy that kind of food. It's not convenient. you got to look for it. But am I going to trade my well-being for convenience? That's what they want me to do. I'm not going to do it. I know that well-being and freedom takes self-governance and work. And what they're trying to do is make us lazy and stupid so they can rule over us and govern us. No, it's not working. 
social compact is broken. They've proven to me, they've proven to Professor Penn that I cannot trust my leadership. And of course, of course, they say that people that say things like that are domestic terrorists. Well, of course they do. They're going to put everything into the narrative they can that makes dissent illegal. They don't want any dissent. They are looking for a world full of minions. Minions. Precinctstrategy.com. Please go there. Please consider getting into the game of politics and actually making your will part of the equation. We want to take these two parties back. We live in a country with a two-party system. It's really a one-party system. It's called a uniparty. You know that. I know you know that. How are we going to change it? Well, first of all, from the Republican side of the equation, we got to eject the uniparty people out of the party. And I'm going to give you something I'm proud of, and I said it last time. I am now an ace, an ace. I have seven confirmed people that have left the Republican Party, citing me as the reason. Oh, hey, you know what? I respect you. You're American citizens. Go practice your materialism somewhere else. We're the Republican Party. We're a spiritual party dedicated to freedom and human well-being. If you're a materialist, if you were in the Republican Party for low taxes and low regulation, get over there with the materialists on the Democrat side of the equation. And as I always say, if you're a racist or an anti-Semite or a homophobe or a xenophobe, the American Nazi Party's right down the block. Please go there. Let's make our Republican Party about the United States of America, about faith, about family, about human well-being and human freedom. And let's get rid of everybody else out of the party that has a different idea. There's other places for them to go. Let's clarify it. Let's not let these people screw up the freedom movement. Let them go over there with the determinism movement or tyranny. I was looking in my, my phone today and somebody I really, hi, Chan, have a good evening. Chan said we're living under tyranny. Not yet. There's always tyranny. Tyranny has existed since there was a human being because tyranny is the person that says it's survival of the fittest. And if I'm stronger than you, I can dominate you. That's tyranny. That's why we have another ideology, the Judeo-Christian history of this world, where we love a spiritual world, and that spiritual world says to us, treat our neighbors as we want our neighbors to treat us. So we got two different ideologies. It's a yin and a yang. We got to have these things in balance. We're out of balance right now. Too much materialism, too much scientific method, not enough well-being, not enough freedom, not enough understanding of how the spiritual world works in our lives. And on that note, when I pray with you, now I'm recording this in the morning. It'll play at night. Used to be before I was getting up early, because you know I got a day job. I got a day job and I'm trying to keep my head above water. I used to get up in the morning and pray. I don't have the time. I have to get right to the studio in the morning. So when I say these prayers, I used to say them at home every morning. I used to sing them at home. We didn't get that far yet. Maybe someday we will. These prayers are thousands of years old. They have significance. They underlie everything in Judaism and everything in Christianity. So when we say them together, and when I say them for you and with you, I mean it. 
This is my prayer for the day. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for my American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Thank you. Royce is off playing big three basketball. He had a bad week last week. They lost. The power lost. Royce got injured. He'd have been back this week, as I said in a previous Please Call Me Crazy, but he's off taking treatment so he can get back in the game. He stayed out in Boston. He's being treated by very competent sports medicine doctors who are trying to get him rehabbed because this big three thing's getting to be a big deal. The other guys, they're feeling the heat. The other guys, when they play a weekend basketball game on CBS Sports or one of the legacy media net, ne legacy, legacy media networks, please excuse me, they get about a million two or a million three viewers. You know the big three is getting seven, eight, nine hundred thousand viewers. Whoa, whoa! It's very entertaining. I enjoy it, and they don't even have the schedule out for next week. The league is split. I think there's six teams. Let me see. I'm going to count. I want to get it right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Seven teams are four and two. Nobody's five and one. We got a really exciting last leg of the season coming up. We don't know who the power is going to play. Last week, the big three got bumped for PGA. Hopefully, CBS will put on three games this weekend on Sunday. You're going to have to look it up. Hopefully Royce can play. We don't know yet. Hopefully he can play. He told me he was not going to let this injury hold him down. He's got a very painful injury. Painful. I've had this injury. Hey, you know what? This injury is so painful. When you get a bad one like this, hey, nothing's fun. It never stops hurting. So I'm hoping Royce is well. I wish you well, Royce. I hope you get a full and complete recovery. We're looking forward to seeing you. And what I'm going to do, and what I'm going to ask you to do, we've got to support these patriot economy companies. We've got to support them. I'm not saying you're a gambler, and I'm not judging against you if you are a gambler, because as Don Corleone said, it's a harmless vice. Put a little skin in the game. Go to mybookie.com, mybookie.com. Put some money down on this game coming up on the power, because guess what? This company, mybookie.com, is a patriot economy participant. This company is supporting this channel. We need their support. We need their advertising so that we can stay in business and pursue Truth Media with you, build this community with you. How does it work? 
please, when we podcast is over, go to mybookie.com, make a wager on the power or any other sports event of your choosing, and support this company. Give them some action. It doesn't have to be $10,000. Give them 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Get in the game. Help these people. They're helping us. They're helping us talk to you. Royce will be back soon. Royce needs this advertiser and our other advertisers, Target and Ghostbed. We're all going to be supporting these companies. And guess what? If you go to mybookie.com and use promo code Royce, you're going to get a bonus, a welcome bonus on your first deposit, and that is redeemable all the way up to $1,000 if you win. So go to mybookie.com, get in the game, put some skin in, and it'll be more fun to watch the game. And I want you to watch that big three. It's cool. It's exciting. I, Professor Penn, stopped watching professional sports when I could no longer play professional sports. Now, I never played professional sports, but I was a very good athlete, and I trained with a lot of professional sports participants. And I had a great time doing it. And I always kind of harbored the dream that had I gone that direction and some of the, some of the other directions, I could have played. So as long as I felt I could be a player, I watched sports because it was cool. You know, and then when I got a little bit older, I can't play. I said, hey, I'm not watching this. It makes me feel bad. I don't have the skills anymore. And then, of course, the sports went woke, and for sure I didn't want to watch it. But Big 3 is different. Big 3 allows the players to be who they are. Royce is not censored there. Royce is a walking billboard for freedom. Please support him and my bookie too. Best hits, greatest hits. You know, one of the things I really believe in is recasting American culture. I've been around for a while, and I watch how things come and go. Come and go. A culture is based on its creation myths, its heroes, its costuming, its rules, and great events that people remember. They remember these great events. And as a person who lived through the 60s, I'm amazed, amazed that we had four people martyred, four great leaders martyred. And we hardly ever talk about it. These people were martyrs. These were change agents in the 1960s who gave their lives, gave their lives to oppose a status quo that was hardening and forming after World War II. Remember, after World War II, I mean, when the whole world's in ashes, there isn't a status quo. The status quo has to be recast. And, of course, it's recast by whoever won the war. And the United States and the United Nations won the war, and the world was recast in the image and likeness of what the United Nations, run by the globalists in the United States and England, wanted the world to be. And we're living in that world right now today. And four martyrs arose because there was great unrest in the 60s. I was there. People were in the streets. Hey, you know what? It's way worse now than it was in the 60s, and there's no street protests. That's how well the security state has been at putting us to sleep. We're asleep. In the 60s, hey, when I was a kid, there was three black and white television channels. You had to read a book for entertainment. People got pissed. They went in the streets. They were protesting protesting, protesting. They felt protest was their right, and they did it. And champions emerged. Remember, the 60s, 
We had the civil rights movement. We had the anti-war movement. We had the women's rights movement. These were huge movements of people demanding that we form a more perfect union. They didn't want to live in a militaristic country. They were opposing the military-industrial complex. People of color were rising up and saying, hey, all men are created equal. Live up to it. And women were saying, hey, us too. I know it says all men are created equal, but come on. That's an oversight based on culture. Those guys wrote that a long time ago. Men and women are created equal. And they were out fighting for it. Now, we got a potential war, nuclear war in three theaters, the Ukraine, the Middle East, and the South China Sea. We're $33 trillion in debt. We have 60% of our citizens ill with chronic diseases, and 85% of us are living paycheck to paycheck, and everybody's playing with their smartphones. Hey, you know what? It's not an accident. Go look up where the smartphone came from. It didn't happen by accident. It's a communication device, like on Star Trek. Go back and look at it. They thought this up in the 1950s. They funded it through the government into the universities, and here we are, asleep at the wheel. So I like to remember these four martyrs. These four martyrs came out of nowhere. They were in the post-World War II generation. And when I say they came out of nowhere, these were young people, young people, young people, young, under the age of 50, some under the age of 40, that really were out there saying, what are we doing? And millions of us were saying that. And then what happened? They were struck down by assassins' bullets. And what we learned as the American people was, if you speak up and you speak out, you'll be killed. And that's why we have three theaters of potential nuclear conflict, $33 trillion of debt, over half the people are sick with morbid diseases, and we're poor and getting poorer every day. And no one speaks out. Because in our collective unconscious, is the awareness and the knowledge that if we stand up, we'll be cut down. And there will be assassinations that are coming because now people are realizing that this isn't working, that tyranny is all around us, and that we're going to have to stand up and assert our human well-being and our human freedom and recast this country as our founders intended it to be, self-governing, self-governance. So I want to review with you together uh, the deaths of these four martyrs. The four mar I call them, nobody else calls them the four martyrs, but I want us to call them the four martyrs because they martyred themselves for our self-governance, for our human freedom, and our human well-being. Tanner, can you walk us through these, please? dark page in the annals of America has been written to the crack of an assassin's bullet. A nation mourns, the world grieves. The man who became 35th president less than three years ago is dead. He led his country boldly through the treacherous shoals of Cold War, treacherous shoals of Cold War crises. His firm commitments to support the cause of democracy throughout the world won him a claim almost unprecedented in the history of the presidency. He faced up to communist threats with such firm shows of force that Khrushchev backed down in Cuba, 
softened the hard red line on Berlin. He brought to the White House the vigor of youth and a family that captivated the hearts of all. No possible shadow loomed over this last group picture of his family, John and Jacqueline, John John and Caroline. Death has closed the cover in album portraits like this. His rendezvous with grim destiny begins a little after noontime as his plane lands in Dallas. Earlier, he had received a tumultuous reception in Fort Worth. Now, more thousands are waiting to greet him in downtown Dallas. But death is less than one short hour away. At 1.25, the motorcade moves into the downtown area. Death is six minutes away. In a warehouse, a sniper with a rifle poised waits. The cheers of the crowd almost muffle the three shots. The assassin's aim is deadly. The area is a swarm with police, rangers, and secret service men. The murderer slips the net. But a few blocks away, a man is captured after he is reported to have killed a policeman. That man is a 24-year-old pro-Castro Texan who once sought Soviet citizenship. He is charged with murder. Meanwhile, the president had been rushed to a nearby hospital where life lingered as a waiting world prayed. A half hour later, he was dead. His life crushed like his wife's abandoned bouquet. Shock Nation weeps. Across the country, around the world, disbelief was the first reaction. Then a great outpouring of grief, shock, and revulsion. A proud banner is lowered. The empty White House is a symbol of this infamous mockery of American ideals of peace and freedom. Peoples of all faiths unite in prayer for the first Catholic to become president. The United Nations General Assembly joins in a minute of silent tribute, tribute to the man who fought so hard and valiantly for the ideals of this international body. The Iron Curtain was dissolved in the sincerity of their sorrow. Well, there was a lot of narrative in there. Uh, it ended with an endorsement of the United Nations. And of course, Kennedy was a Democrat. And the United Nations was already off on its direction. We just didn't know it. And they were supporting the United Nations as a solemn and holy body. And the narrative of the lone gunman was uh, established in this piece, which we know that was a con. We've covered it very extensively on the Private Pen Podcast. This is the moment when things started to go dark. Now, this was one guy went down, John Kennedy, our president. Look how young he was and how vigorous. And it was a different generation. He was trying to get us out of some of the problems we had already gotten, got ourselves trapped in. And, uh, you know, he crossed the wrong people and, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> he didn't make it. They killed him. Now, I've gone into this extensively in the Professor Penn podcast. You know, some 20 years later, a House committee that was looking at assassination said that this was a conspiracy. But you saw in this piece that was filmed right, created right afterwards, right after the assassination, they were talking about a lone gunman. So it took about 20 years before it became apparent that there was a conspiracy. None of the conspirators have ever been named. No one's ever been arrested. 
and none of the documents have ever been released, even though they're supposed to be released under law. So we got a real problem with this. It goes on and on and on. And then we get into the next martyr. Because, you know, the, that one guy did not end the movement of freedom. But then we had the next martyr. This was a big one. Play the piece on Malcolm X, please. Apparently, two men approached the speaker's rostrum and uh, discharged shots at him from apparently very close range. As I turned around quickly, and the next thing I saw was Malcolm falling back in a dead faint. My mother threw herself over her babies, and she yelled out, they're killing my husband. I heard shots, and I saw people crawling on the floor. I saw, and so I got down too. Then when I was looking out, and I saw um, someone look in amazement to the front. I knew they had shot my husband. He sustained one shot in the lower right chin, and the other six hit him in the chest and uh, body. I looked out at him, and I said, he's going to die. I kept saying to myself, he's going to die, he's going to die. How many of immediately? No, he wasn't uh, dead immediately, uh, but uh, expired uh, very shortly thereafter. The second martyr. Terrible. And if you listen to Malcolm X's uh, speeches or read his writings now, and I urge you to do it, and many of you do, he's an American nationalist. He's a nationalist. His writings are just as important today as they were in the 50s and 60s. And he's so pushed aside by the narrative. And it's just wrong. This is a great man who was clear about freedom and self-governance. And I really urge you to go find this man's writings and keep him alive. He's a martyr. He was martyred in the name of human freedom and human well-being. That was number two. Here comes the third shot. Play the third one, please. Martin Luther King, 20 minutes ago, died. I would like to take this opportunity to ask Reverend John Genzel, who is the jazz minister, to lead all of us in prayer for Martin Luther King and the future of all civil rights movements. Would you please rise? Some very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. America is shocked and saddened by the brutal slaying tonight of Dr. Martin Luther King. I ask every citizen to reject the blind violence that has struck Dr. King, who lived by nonviolence. I pray that his family can find comfort in the memory of all he tried to do for the land he loved so well. That was his royal darkness, President Lyndon Johnson. I always like to point out when I hear that piece, the blind violence, and there that violence was not blind. The same committee that determined 
there was a conspiracy implicated in the death of President Kennedy also determined that there was a conspiracy in the death and the assassination of Martin Luther King. In other words, it was not blind violence. It was very specific, intentional assassination of a civil rights leader of great import, the third martyr. Now we're starting to get the idea. I was alive then. Oh, you start looking over your shoulder. People start thinking, hey, 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 hey. If you stand out too much with this cat, that would be Lyndon Johnson. And all the security state people that surrounded him, that would be Hoover and Dulles and this whole security apparatus that was building up. You stand out too much, they're going to kill you. It's scared to scare. People started to get scared. The country started to get dark. We went from all of the hope and optimism optimism of the post-war period, the first turning. We were now in the second turning, and things were getting dark. The altruism and the spirit of cooperation that was spread through the country in the post-war period was killed. Kill. And people started to think just about themselves, their own survival. And they had good reason for doing it because they saw if they thought about the community and other people and started to spread out the ideology of treat my neighbor the way I want my neighbor to treat me. In other words, altruism, an American community where people of all colors and religious backgrounds could be together as Americans, that'd get you killed. That was going to get you killed. But they weren't done killing. If you saw in that clip, there was a RFK, RFK, John Kennedy's brother, and he announced that Martin Luther King was killed just weeks before he was assassinated, which we're going to get to next. And his son, RFK Jr., is now running as a Democrat for the nomination to be their presidential candidate in the next 2024 election. And, you know, he asked the Biden administration for Secret Service protection because he also, like his father, challenges the status quo and is committed to the well-being of the people. And he has a long history of very demonstrable actions that are taken in service to the people. And, you know, he asked the Biden administration for Secret Service protection because he's afraid. And why not? You're going to see this next clip. This guy, Bobby Kennedy Jr., was there when his father was killed. He watched his father be assassinated. And this man has the bravery the bravery to stand up in today's America with all of the hatred and the censorship and the violence and the tyranny. He has the bravery to stand up and rage against the machine. And that's what he's doing, and I respect him. I think he's got a great political future, and the Biden administration denies him protection. What does that mean? What does that mean? Think about what it means to him because he saw what we're about to play. He was there. Please play this last one. A reporter for the Mutual Broadcasting System, Andy West, was in the hallway, the kitchen hallway in the Ambassador Hotel last night when Senator Kennedy was shot. He is perhaps the man who was closest to the senator when the shots were fired. Let's go back now to that hour last night. First, Senator Kennedy in victory, and then the voice of reporter West as our cameras show the panic that gripped the scene. So I thank... I thank all of you who made this possible this evening. All of the effort that you made and all of the people whose names I haven't mentioned. 
but who made all, did all of the work at the precinct level, who got out the vote, who did all of the effort, uh, brought forth all of the effort that's required. I was a campaign manager eight years ago. I know what a difference that kind of an effort and that kind of commitment make. So I thank all of you. Those of you who are here. Mayor, Mayor Yorty has just sent me a message that we've been here too long already. So uh, my thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Thank you. Johnson has a hold of a man who apparently has fired the shot. That's it, Rafer. Get it. Get the gun, Rafer. Okay, now hold on to the guy. Hold on to him. Hold on to him, ladies and gentlemen. Hold him. Hold him. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rafer. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rafer. Keep people away from him. Keep people away from him. And people were kept away from him, and the police have him in custody. Still chilling. Uh, his son's running for president, carrying on the tradition of the Kennedys, raging against the machine, and being vilified and demonized because he's telling what he believes is the truth. He's part of the truth searching community. We're looking for the truth. We're not buying this narrative. And it's dangerous. It really is dangerous. I, in my very limited role here in Minnesota, I've been attacked twice. Uh, these people are very, very brave. Very brave. And uh, it occurred to me, in each of these circumstances, there was life one minute and death the next. Life is not promised to any of us. And one of the things that I've learned in devoting myself to my country, to my God, my family, my community is this movement, this freedom movement, 
This washes away my sins. This commitment to the well-being of the people prepares me to die so that when my moment comes, I won't have any regrets or I won't look back and say I should have done this or I should have done that. No, I'm all in on the most important movement in world history. We're living at a critical moment in world history. I don't think there's any more important movement or moment than right now. So for all of you that would like to get involved in the movement in any way that you can, and we've talked about the strategy, this movement, shall we devote ourselves to it, will give us well-being and will wash our sins and make us free. Is there a better thing to do with your time? I mean, is looking at your smartphone a better idea than washing away your sins and being free? I mean, come on. Let's get serious. Let's not take the hook and bite on it and be dragged around like a captured fish. Let's be free citizens and self-govern. Let's be free citizens and self-govern. Let's throw off the yoke of oppression and the yoke of misinformation and lies and narrative and manipulation that we're living under. And I want these people to be known as the four martyrs. They martyred themselves for the American experience and for the well-being of the American people. And that's very noteworthy, very noteworthy. These people need to be talked about as a group, not just John Kennedy, not just Martin Luther King, but all four of them were martyred and the country turned dark after that, those four assassinations. I lived through it. I know what happened to my generation. We became afraid, we became self-interested, and we became materialistic because these people were spiritual. These were spiritual leaders of our society, and we made the natural connection unconsciously that if you go out as a spiritual leader, you're going to get killed. So what did we do? We went out to get all the money we could get, and we lived material lives. Not an accident. I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an accident. It's the way the system works. Well, then there was people like my father. My father, who I spoke, I've spoken about quite lovingly on the Professor Penn podcast. Uh, my father was a, a professor. He taught at the University of Minnesota for 50 years. For those of you who've never heard this before, he's kind of the father of critical race theory. Uh, my father was very involved in the formation of the Black Studies Department at the University of Minnesota. He lost his job over it over that and over his anti-war protestations. He was the leader of the anti-war movement here in Minnesota. He was one of the first academics in the world that stood up and identified that the Crown's scholars, Darwin and Spencer and Galton, were racists, and he stood up and talked about it, and he used to teach a class called Racial Thought that was the best attended class in the history of the university, and he challenged people to look at their, you know, thinking about race. This is in the 60s, right? This is way before it. This is way before its time. He was a pioneer. Lost his job over it, suffered, struggled. And he was a lifelong leftist, a leftist, a real leftist, which meant he was a participant in the Democrat Party. You know, he did things for the administrations and he was very involved politically. And uh, he he just viewed the Republican Party as the party of racists and anti-Semites. And in fact, I kind of discounted his thinking about it. And my mother, 
was his partner in crime. She was a very noted leftist, a, a liberal activist attorney who worked on every program that you can think of that's undermining the country, like unrestricted immigration, at the front end of it. Driver's licenses for all, front end of it. You know, voting rights for non-citizens, front end of it. You know, and she was also a big player in the women's rights movement, and she was involved in the American Indian movement. She was a leftist. I mean, she was a leftist attorney. She was a mercenary for hire. You had a leftist cause, call my mom, Barbara Penn. She'd get right on it. And she, you know, she's very well respected in, in leftist circles. And I was raised in that environment, in a very leftist environment. My parents expected me to be a professor, and they expected me to be a leftist. I've had people walk up to me that have met me in politics. They go, I can't believe you're Barbara Penn's son. I go, well, you have to believe it. She taught me two things. The ends do not justify the means, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That was her two gifts to me. And she's still alive. My father's passed. And I know that my mother believes that uh, she wanted to teach me that the ends do not justify the means, but, you know, she's a leftist. She's a communist. So any way the communists can get control, it actually turned out she's all for it. I'm not speaking against my mother. I'm just saying that's what she believes. And I don't believe that. I believe that the ends do not justify the means. I believe we need to have a process where people have free speech, where people have the freedom to assemble, that we have a Republican process in the country. I, I believe in the, in the founding documents of our country. We have a rule book. It's called the Constitution. I don't think you can just throw it out. That's like in the middle of the game. Hey, we're going to, it's like in the middle of a football game. And we're not going to have four downs. We're going to have six. We're not playing football anymore. We're playing another game. Could we at least understand that we have a rule book? And of course, our Constitution rule book is based on the Bible. So the leftists that do not believe in God, they believe in Darwin. All these things are, you know, human creations, and they could be altered by humans. And those of us that are in the conservative movement, we believe these things are divinely inspired, and we can't alter them. We have to preserve them because they are a marker that's given to us through enlightened or prophet leaders who interpret for us the, the word and the spirit of God. These people don't believe that's true. And all you have to do is have one prophetic experience for yourself where Christ shows up on your doorstep. And when you see that, you see that happen, you know that happens, hey, guess what? You know, those people just missed it, and I feel sorry for them because they never got the chance to know the truth. And people go through their whole lives, and they never know the truth. You can't help them. They think that the human intellect is the crowning glory of this world. And you know what? We just have to hope God gets to their hearts whenever God gets to their hearts. And now my father, my father was raised as a very religious. He grew up in a black hat environment. His first language was not English. You get the picture what I'm telling you? He did not grow up as an American. His family were Holocaust survivors. His activism in terms of race was born of his knowledge of genocide. He was totally transfixed with what happened to his family, most of whom were killed by the Nazis. He was a survivor. He had huge survivor guilt. He passed it on to me. He gave me his post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll tell you something I've said one other time in my life, maybe two times. I used to, there was a show that came out in the 60s. It was, it was a black and white show called The World at War. It was created about 20 years after the end of World War II. And it was a very gritty and realistic visual account of the war 
it, it was a series of many different shows. And it, it was horrifying. I mean, they didn't pull any punches. This was before Hollywood took over. They were trying to put down a marker of a visual evidence of what actually happened. They were trying to tell the truth. And I watched that with my father when it came out. I was probably five, six years old. It was super traumatizing for me to see those scenes of the Holocaust. And we got people today that say the Holocaust didn't happen. Oh, I don't want to get in a room with any of these people because I know my family members by name that were killed by the Nazis in the Ukraine. And I know that Ukrainian Nazis killed some of my family members, not German Nazis. So, you know, when you have family tradition, an oral tradition, it's powerful. And I watched this show with my dad, and it was so traumatized. I'm so screwed up mentally from this experience that when I watch the world at war now, it actually makes me feel good. That's how screwed up I am. So I watched these horrible scenes of the Holocaust, but because, because I shared that with my father who's passed on, it actually makes me feel good. That's being goofed up mentally because genocide follows people onto the second and third generation. A genocide does not go away quickly. It takes a long time for a Holocaust to get worked out of the psyches of the people. That's why we want to avoid genocide. Of course, my mother and father did not agree with politics. I started disagreeing with them. I was eight or nine years old. They took me to a protest, a protest against nuclear power. They were putting a nuclear power plant here in Minnesota, in Monticello, Minnesota. Northern States Power was putting in the first nuclear power plant in Minnesota. My mom was a, on the front lines of protesting that because, you know, she had read the population bomb, Paul Ehrlich. She thought there was too many people and... You know, she wanted to depopulate, you know, way back there in the 60s. She was part of this movement. That's why I know it so well. I grew up in it. They took me up to this protest. And my mom goes, you're not very happy. I said, I'm not against nuclear power. She goes, you're not? I go, no, this is a safe energy source. It's renewable. This is fantastic. This can be done safely and with style. I'm not against this. Oh, she was very pissed off at me. Very pissed off. And I have to tell you, you know, people vote as their parents vote. And I voted Democrat for many, many years. It took me a long time to sort my thinking out and go, hey, I'm self-governing. I'm free. These people are tyrannical. I don't want to be a minion. And I made a transition, and it caused a huge cleave in my family. Huge. Because these people were Jewish Marxist professional radicals. And their son became a businessman and became a Republican. Oh, they are pissed at me. Pissed. And uh, there was years when I didn't talk to my father. Years. I mean, he really rejected me. He rejected me because I didn't follow in his footsteps. I did not get a Ph.D. I did not become a doctor. All the things that he laid out for me, I, I rejected and went my own direction, including something they really hated, which was a real emphasis on... These people were peaceniks. They were not for the military. And I had to take my sojourn in that world just to let them know I was researching myself. I had to see it for myself. So the, um, the thing about Judaism is fathers and sons, the, the oral tradition, this goes all the way back to Abraham. So as my father got older, uh, I reconciled with him absolutely and completely. We became absolutely reconciled. 
And in his older years, I took care of him. I took care of him. I was there with him every day or every other day. I mean, I really have good feelings about devoting myself altruistically to the care of my father at the end of his life. And he lived a long time. I th- he was 89 when he died. Died just before COVID. God blessed him. And he died on the Sabbath, which in Judaism is a, you know, it's kind of a tribute. <laughs> you can Seven days to die. You die on the holy day. Hey, that means something. These people are a little bit magical in their thinking. And as secular humanist as my father became, he came from such a religious tradition. He did go to a, a Jewish school. He did speak Yiddish. He did speak Hebrew. He did know the tradition. He was a scholar of the old ways. And even though he became a philosopher, that was pounded in him so deep it never went out. So he died as a religious man. But he never gave up being a Democrat. And one of the last arguments that I had with him was over Joe Biden. This is before Joe Biden even declared to be a presidential candidate for that last election in 2020. When we're talking to my dad, I said, you know, Trump was the, oh, he hates Trump. Well, what have the Democrats got? They got nothing. Oh, my dad goes, they got Joe Biden. I said, Joe Biden, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this guy, you can find it, Dad. He's a racist. He said all kinds of racist things. He's corrupt. He's this, he's that. Because, you know, Professor Penn's up on this stuff. So Professor Penn was talking to the real Professor Penn. And that's what that tells you. You can be caught in your own prop wash on any issue, any issue. My father was absolutely on the mark on all kinds of critical information, much of which he shared with me and allows me to articulate this with the Please Call Me Crazy audience and with the Professor Penn podcast audience. He gave me a leg up on this because, of course, he passed it on to me. He was a philosopher. He was a cultural anthropologist, and he passed those traditions on to me, and they were in me, waiting, laying, dormant for me to wake up and say, oh, time for altruism. So, you know, I've got a lot of information, a lot of source material. I've already read it. And, you know, when he went to my father's house, the whole place was a library. There was not an inch of the wall that was not a bookcase. So he was was a real scholar. And there were so many things that he was up on that nobody else had even thought about. But when it came to Democrat Party politics, he thought, and I know he knew this, he knew, he knew that there was all these anti-Semites and racists in the Republican Party. And as much as he knew the Democrat Party had veered off in the tyranny, he just couldn't support a party with racists and anti-Semites. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Knew the history of the party, knew who these people were, and he just rejected it. He thought a better shot was with the, the Democrat Party. Well, hey, you want to know something? Uh, my father's passed on. I love him. But I got to play a couple of Joe Biden clips. My dad's in heaven. He's watching down at this. Let him see a cu- couple of Joe Biden's greatest greatest hits. Tanner, can you play this piece, Biden on the Poison of White Supremacy? To stand up against the poison of white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go. My dad was an 
an expert on race, okay? And he knew there was white supremacists, as do I. But to say that that's the greatest threat to our homeland, I think my dad and I would have disagreed over this. He probably believed that white supremacy was a great threat because he related it to the Nazi era. And that's what Joe Biden is doing. He's saying that if you're a Christian and you're white, you're a Nazi. And that's why I say all the time, and I'm going to say it several more times in this podcast, no, I know nobody in the Please Call Me Crazy audience is a racist unless you're here doing research. And if you're here doing research and you're Republican, go join the American Nazi Party. That's where I want you to go. Get out of the freedom movement. Because this movement that you and I are engaged in is about American citizenship, the nation of the United States, and it does not matter if you're white, black, green, or red, if you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, or Muslim, if you're straight or gay, if you're well or sick, if you're for human well-being and for a functioning republic with borders and jobs and an emphasis on the well-being of the people, you're in the right place. And if you're in this for the community, as John Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's a Democrat saying that in 1961. If you're in that mode, that mode of altruism, we're together. We're in a movement together. We're in the movement that's going to heal the country. If you're in this for yourself, for low taxes, for low regulation, and you want to hold out immigrants and you want to hate people, get out of the Republican Party today. Professor Penn, this Professor Penn, I have seven decals on the side of my political fuselage of Republicans that I've got to resign from the party because I confront their BS and I don't let them off the hook. You know, we got people, we got the four stooges over here. Mr. We don't do that here. Mr. History doesn't matter. Mr. We don't need any more Republicans. And our latest stooge, Mrs. We don't need to protect children. This kind of thinking has got to go. It's got to go. And one of the four stooges resigned from politics in my area. And I wish him well. And thank you very much. And go do your thing. We respect you. You're an American citizen. But don't screw up the American people. Stop it. And then my father, I don't know how he would have explained this one. Play this next one. I bet you've never seen this one, Tanner. You're going to get a thrill out of this one. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Play it one more time. Hit me with it one more time. You guys got to listen to this. You know, sometimes in the dementia, the truth slips out. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Dad, I know you're very logical. You were, you were a logician. We're left with a couple of options here. You know, this guy was so offer bottled, that's Yiddish for he lost it, offer bottled. He's 
screwed up. He's got so much dementia that he was never qualified to be president because how can you screw up a line like that? Or the truth slipped out. What are you going to say? Oh, no, my dad's going to say, well, it could just be a random event. Okay. You know, there's always a way out for logic, like statistics. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. But, you know, we're left with a couple of really difficult doors here to walk through. Yeah, it could be an accident. He could be out of his friggin' mind and not qualified to be a president because he's ill, which is very sad, or the truth could have slipped out. But that's out there on the web. Never went away. I just pulled that down before this podcast. And had you ever seen that before? I've never seen that. What do you think of that? I would like to say or note that that is the most coherent I've ever heard that man speak. So it's even more terrifying. That's a 22-year-old talking like that. Hey, I got a little... That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Did you see that that video, that clip that you have is from Donald Trump's YouTube channel? Oh, no, it's everywhere. Oh. <laughs> you can find it everywhere. Maybe Donald Trump put it on his channel because he's trying to hang on to it. I didn't know it was there. Yeah. I'm sorry. We should go find it someplace else. We don't want to have any... Uh... Oh, I, I, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll okay. Be fine. Well, that's good. All right. Anyhow, so that's, that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. Um, my dad, he lives with me every day. I love him. He was a leftist. We still made it work. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. We found a way to talk to each other. And because he was a logician and he was an honest and good man, I want to believe that he would have moved towards the freedom movement because he devoted his entire life to human well-being and human freedom. And I love him and I miss him. Well, I remember the night I got the call when he died. I was laying in bed. This is going to be a strange pitch. We're going to move into ghostbed.com. I was laying in bed, fitfully sleeping as I often do, and we have this new sponsor, Ghostbed. Ghostbed builds everything and sells everything that you need for your bedroom, from mattresses to sheets, pillowcases, all the accoutrement for your bedroom. And they use a super cooling material to make your sleep more restful, more cool. You don't have to you know, sweat and be uncomfortable. They have great products. I've, I've investigated it. I'm asking you to investigate it. You go to ghostbed.com. Give them some action. I'm not asking you to spend a thousand bucks unless you need a mattress, and then you're going to get one of the best mattresses money can buy. But go to Ghostbed and give them some action. I want to hear from them, my advertiser that's supporting Truth Media, that the Please Call Me Crazy audience is using promo code Royce. That's how they're tracking the success of this advertising. And if they don't get any success, they're not going to advertise with us. And then the whole program gets screwed up, and I can't give Tanner a raise. This is the way it works. He's a young man. He's got a kid. He needs more money. The company's got to make money. We advertise. We're dependent on you to go to the advertisers to support Truth Media. How do you do it? We appreciate your viewership. Thank you for watching. Thank you. But you got to buy your pillowcases from somebody. Go to ghostbed.com, and when you use promo code ROYCE, 40% off on their entire catalog. What more could you get out of this than the best product, a huge discount, and you're supporting Royce White, and please call me crazy. Please, please, we need your support. Thank you for doing so. Well, I want to get into this next one because it's my favorite, my absolute favorite, because it created a firestorm in the Minnesota Republican Party. Let's play this piece here. Representative Tom Emmer, Congressman from Minnesota, CD6, 
Speaking to ABC News, please play this. This was this is great. Republican Congressman Tom Emmer for more on this, Jay. Yeah, Diane, this is the man in charge of counting all of those votes. Majority Whip Tom Emmer, and I want to ask you, Congressman, as you look at the playing field, as we go into that vote tonight, will this bill pass? Oh, yeah. No question. No question. With a majority of Republicans supporting it? We actually whipped for 218 Republicans, as you and I were talking before we came on air. Uh, our goal is to make sure that every Republican votes for this bill. And what are you telling those 30-plus Republicans who have said, under no circumstances, will they well, vote for this? Listen, this happens with every piece of legislation that comes through the House. Some people will get out early, voicing their displeasure based on things they've heard, based on things that they've been told. Once they start to read the uh, legislation, once we start to have conversations, in this case, you're talking about a $2.1 trillion cut. This is the single largest deficit reduction bill in the history of this country. Uh, I think every Republican should be voting for it. But if you lose those 30, you're relying on Democratic votes to try to pass this, right? And are you talking to Democrats to make sure there are enough votes on that side of the aisle? We, we are counting on Republicans to pass this bill. But if they're not there, how can you be so confident that the Democrats will back you up if you're not having conversations with them? Listen, I don't count Democrats. We, we are here to make sure that Republicans understand what is involved and that they're all comfortable with the bill and they can vote for it. Our goal is to have 218 Republicans or more. I know you were just in with Speaker McCarthy earlier this morning. Last night you were whipping votes. You were whipping votes into this morning. How can you describe his attitude to all of this? What's his level of confidence like? The speaker is in a great mood. The speaker is, uh, I, I, I think I used the words with you earlier, that he's on fire today. He's uh, calling members. He's having members in. He's answering questions. Uh, it's all very positive. And going forward, if this passes tonight, and I know we're reading tea leaves here, but how do you think that that impacts Kevin McCarthy with the overall conference? Listen, uh, when we pass this tonight, uh, we are going to continue to be successful by moving into the appropriations process, which is the next step. Republicans ran the, the, their campaigns last fall to win, but once you win, you have to govern. And Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are the only ones who have literally been governing since the beginning of the year. Uh, the White House wouldn't even get involved in these discussions until after we passed a uh, debt ceiling bill that would protect us from a default. And then it even took them three weeks to get off their rear end and actually have substantive conversations. In the Senate, my goodness, Chuck Schumer and the Senate have been asleep at the wheel and gone. I think the most significant thing they've done in the first five months is name March Maple Syrup Month. I mean, it's, uh, Kevin McCarthy has been leading this conference. Republicans have been governing, and you're going to see more of that after this vote tonight. Of that vote of 30 possible no votes, though, there are some who say that they don't trust the speaker after this. Are you worried about them going forward? Again, I think there's a lot of emotion that's built up over the last five months. Uh, sometimes it gets directed at, for instance, a, uh, a speaker as opposed to where it's actually coming from. In this case, I think our members are very frustrated with an administration that has been wholly incompetent, has caused double-digit inflation, has caused all kinds of problems, and we're going to risk a default. And here we are on a week where we're supposed to be at home working our districts. We are back in Washington, D.C. to try and clean up a mess that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer have created. And I think that's where some of the emotion comes. Uh, Republicans are going to be good. We're going to get this passed tonight. That's where I got to leave it. Thank you, Congressman. I appreciate your time, Diane. That was Congressman Tom Emmer, confident that this bill will pass. Greatest hits. You know, I have to say, in watching this in hindsight, 
This is staggering, stunning bullshit. Bleep that out for me. It is so bad. Now, this guy is a Minnesotan. He's not in my congressional district. He's contiguous. He's in CD6. He's got huge support in Minnesota. Uh, this is a 99-page bill. This is not an insignificant thing. The country is $33 trillion in debt. When he recorded this bit, we were $32 trillion in debt. This debt is going to end American freedom. That's why they're doing it. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to say it. Of course, people say, oh, they're incompetent. Well, you know, incompetence can be used as a weapon. There's going to come a moment when we're going to have a financial crisis. And at that moment, when our money is worthless, when there's no food in the stores and no gas at the gas station, the American people are going to be begging our government to solve the problem. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to take everything you have away from you and give you a digital currency and replacement. And you're going to be living in, ty in tyranny with complete control of everything you do. And that's what they're setting up, and it's hard for me to... This man is either in on it or he's stupid. I'm sorry. Now, they told me in the Republican Party, I put a piece out, please go to the Professor Penn podcast on YouTube and find the piece, lie to me. Lie to me. I spent an hour and a half talking about this. And I really take this thing apart because guess what? I read the bill. It's 99 pages long. It took me almost a month to understand this bill. So trickily and manipulating. It's such a manipulative and tricky bill. Even I had to read it many times. The maximum cut that can come from this bill is $800 million. That is, in comparison to a $6 trillion expenditure, what's called de minimis. It doesn't matter. Yet this man's up fencing this as the largest cut in American history, $2.1 He's just lying. And I actually said, it's propaganda on the level of Joseph Goebbels. And that drove people crazy. I'm not saying Emmer's a Nazi. I have no evidence of that. I'm saying he's a propagandist. And people said to me, oh, well, he's the House Majority Whip. He's supposed to sell the bill. Okay, I'm a salesman. I come out. I own a company. I'm a businessman. I don't lie. I do not lie when I do business. Where is it written down on a rock that if you're selling something, you can that you are able? Where is it written on a rock that when you sell, you lie, that it's okay to lie? It actually is written on a rock, thou shalt not lie. Right? And that's because without truth, without truth, there's no justice. There's no peace. You can't have justice without truth. Justice rests on truth. Peace rests on justice. This guy's kicking out the fundamental cornerstone of the whole enterprise. And I'm supposed to not criticize him, even by inference. And that woman that wrote that, you belong in the American Nazi Party with the rest of the racists and the anti-Semites. We are a free people. We self-govern. We have a constitution that enshrines free speech. We have a justice, a justice system that tries to get to the truth so we can have justice. Are we all seeing what happens when the truth no longer matters? When people can tell any story they want to? Justice breaks down, and then guess what breaks down next? That's peace. This man represents my state. 
the most important thing every one of us can do in everything we do, everything. You're talking to you're talking to your daughter, tell the truth. I'm talking to my friends, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm doing business, I'm telling the truth. Everything is based on telling the truth. So when we have a leader, stand up. And I'm going to tell you, after this, peace went out. I I did lie to me. I put it up on YouTube. And then a young person who's my senior in the Republican Party thought it was very important. I told him don't do it. He sent it out to tens of thousands of people. Got lie to me, which was my piece on this Emmer story, scam. Man, it caused a firestorm in the Republican Party. And what came out was, was that the Uni Party was saying, hey, if they're Republican, support them, no matter what they do. Well, that's not going to work. I'm not going to support a person that's claiming there's a huge cut when our whole country and its freedom is at risk because of this debt, making us debt slaves. Since this piece came out, since Emmer stood up and told these lies, that it's the biggest cut in American history, the national debt has been increased by $1 trillion. And to put that into some context, if you took $100 bills and stacked them, a million dollars is 3.3 feet high, like the height of the back of a chair. A billion dollars, take the tallest building in your major city in your state the skyscraper, a billion dollars, a hundred dollar bill stacked goes to the top of that tallest building. A trillion dollars goes 635 miles into space, twice as tall, as high in altitude as the International Space Station. That's how much a trillion dollars is. And we ran up another trillion dollars of debt just since Emmer told these lies. And he lied. You know, he lied. And I said in the YouTube piece, lie to me. I was really kind of mellow about it because I really hadn't processed through how angry I am at our leadership. I don't think of him as a Republican. I think about people that want freedom and well-being and truth as Republicans. This guy's a uniparty hack. And if we get enough political power here in Minnesota, like I got quite a few of the, I'm an ace, they're leaving in droves. Now, they're going to fight back on me. I know it. A after this thing, I was invited to a very senior meeting of the billionaires of the state, and they gave me an hour and a half of straight anti-Semitism to give me what fur. And they said, we just came from Tom Emmer. Hey, we're going to give you a message. Here's our message for you. Number one, there's too many people that believe in God in the Republican Party. These people are Darwinists. Number two, when it comes to abortion, we're with Margaret Sanger. We don't think poor people should have children. That's how we're going to solve our problems. That's who these people are. Well, I'm not with those people. No, they're still American citizens. They deserve my respect, and they, do, they deserve eloquent oratory and composition and kind and respectful argument. I am not advocating any kind of violent verbal, or any other kind of, no violence, none, zero. Anybody who becomes violent allows these people to win because of the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites. They control the legal world. We can't be violent. I mean, when we go violent, it's over, right? What we need to do is do our homework, understand, read the bills. Now, maybe you don't want to read the bill, but I do. I'm reading the bills. 
I'm reading them. They're hard to read. You want to know what your government's doing? Go to federalregister.gov. They write everything down. Hey, they're college professors. They're PhDs. They're attorneys. They like to write everything down. You don't have to wonder what they're thinking. They write it down. We don't have to make up a story about what they're doing. They write it down. And I read that bill. There is not a chance of a $2.1 trillion cut. At the maximum, it's $800 million. That's just the facts. That's just the facts. Just the facts. So please, American citizens, we must demand the truth of our leadership. But you know where we start? I start with myself. I still can be more truthful and more transparent and have more integrity in my own life. I can root out every evil in my life, and I'm being self-revelatory. I still have it. I need to root it out of my own life. How can I expect these people to be honest with me if I'm not honest with myself? So I commit to you as my fellow community members that I'm doing everything I can to give up my addiction to sin, my addiction to lying, my addiction to hiding things. I want to be completely here for you. I want to dedicate my life to this movement because this is about freedom and the well-being of the American people. And there's nothing better that I can do right now. So when I see people like this, this is the greatest hit, man. This is still out there. This is going to haunt this guy forever. I should have a fifth stooge. Mr. This is the biggest cut in American history. In fact, we're going to have the fifth stooge. Then we're going to go to five stooges because this is a stooge-like comment. And for all the people that are watching this that support Tom Emmer, he's the best salesman I've ever seen in politics. I, when he loses his job, I'd be happy to hire him for my business. What a salesman. But when he goes to work for me, he's going to have to tell the truth. That's the way it is. You can't hide lies like this. And I want to end with this again. If you're going to tell me that I can't criticize my leaders even by inference, you're not an American citizen. You belong in Nazi Germany where they completely suppressed the truth, and if you spoke up, they killed you. And that's where we're going to head if we let these authoritarians get control of our speech. So up yours and have a nice day. All right, we got a few minutes left. Let me finish up with... The neocons, because, you know, that's kind of where Emmer's at here. The neocons, the people that want the debt and the death so they can control the people. Let's finish up here with the best money we've ever spent. Lindsey Graham, another uni party participant from the Republican Party. Uh, nice to meet you. How are you, sir? We had, we had, we had, we had, Thank you very much. Thanks. United States people of the United States for all big support, President Biden, bipartisan yes. support, Congress, and really we thank you so much. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. So the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. No, it's, you know, we're on four, let's see, this is, it makes all life possible. Yes. More than a thousand or so. Of uh, some of the uh, fight, and every episode is how to fight against, how to defend our people. Of our better selves in America. 
that there was a time in America that we were. <laughs> so you're very well. Yeah, she has. For our uh, listeners, this is Senator Lindsey Graham in the Ukraine, and he's about to approach a lectern where he's going to give us his sage comments. Uh, here he comes. In front of a tank. The industrial level war crimes that have been committed against the Ukrainian people, if they are forgiven in the name of peace, you'll have destroyed everything we've stood for since the end of World War II. There can be no forgiving and forgetting when it comes to Putin's war crimes. There can be no backing off of helping Ukraine because if we fail here, there goes Taiwan on uh, future Ukraine membership and specifically on the inviting. Uh... If you're running for president as a Republican or Democrat, I don't know how you can make the argument that we're stronger against China if we pull the plug on Ukraine. That makes zero sense. What I want the Chinese to see is that invading a neighbor is not as easy as it looks. Putin has an arrest warrant from the International Criminal Court. I'd like to do more to help prosecute Russian war crimes. The best way to protect Taiwan and world order is for Putin to lose. And if you don't get that, I think you're missing a lot. Given that the leading candidate yeah. is seizing. The F-16 will matter. It is not a magic weapon. But combined with other weapons, it will be decisive. So my message to the Biden administration is I appreciate what you have done. You need to do more. And I am convinced that there will be bipartisan support to provide more weapons that can turn the tide of battle in the upcoming counteroffensive. Turn it off, would you? You know, this is another Republican, a senator from South Carolina, Senator Lindsey Graham. I'm just going to highlight a couple things. First of all, he compared war crimes committed by Putin to the Nazis. When he says industrial, he's saying Holocaust. That's a BS story. There's nothing even approaching the universe of systematized liquidation of a population in camps. He's just completely off base doing that. But of course, hey, if you don't do your homework and you don't think, you're going to think that Putin is uh, committing a genocide. And he's not, number one. Number two, the linkage to Taiwan. Oh, we got to defend the Ukraine and we're going to lose Taiwan. First of all, to me as an American citizen, both of these regions, Taiwan and Ukraine, have nothing to do with me. The Ukraine is of interest to the British crown, who has infected our foreign policy establishment. We're over there funding, when we're broke, hundreds of billions of dollars of investment in killing people in Europe. Who cares? Get the money home. We got 85 85% of the people here in this country are living hand to mouth. Let's take care of our own people. And Taiwan, 
That's a South China Sea. That's a spit away from the Chinese mainland. What are we doing over there? What we're doing over there is we're living out the fantasies of the Japanese Empire, which has been at war with the Chinese for thousands of years. What are we doing? We're not even thinking clearly. We're not even thinking clearly. This guy is a neocon's neocon, and so is Tom Emmer. Remember what he said? I'm sure there's going to be broad bipartisan support for more weapons for the Ukraine. Yes, because that's what these people are doing. They're in the business of slavery, drugs, and piracy. Slavery, drugs, and piracy. That's their business model. That's why I'm suffering. That's why you're suffering. They're not doing anything for the well-being of our people. No, I got something. When I was ripping on these Republicans, because I'm a Republican and I always believe you clean up your own house first. I mean, why would I go down the block and start cleaning my neighbor's house when my own house is full of dirt? Okay, so I'm working on my own house. I got a lot of criticism from Republicans because I was doing this, and I do it in a very eloquent and powerful style. And I got a lot of people following me. And they said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Can't you go after the Democrats? And you know what? That's a good criticism. We're heading into a election season. Royce White is going to declare, I hope soon, I'm urging him, and other people are urging him, we want him to run for an office. And he's going to run against a Democrat. And these Democrats, hey, they're the same as these Republicans. They're uni party hacks. So I'm going to, in the future, start to work on some of the re- Democrat. Well, comes out Republican. They're the same people. They could, they could be Republicans. It wouldn't make any difference. They're uni party. They're supporting the status quo that is making me poor and sick. Up yours. I want a well-being country. I want money for Tanner and for his child. I want to survive. I, want, I don't want to go bankrupt. I want to be well. I want policies that bring well-being to all the American citizens. What are we doing with this empire under the guise of democracy? What a scam that is. That's another one of these uh, deals where we're saying my culture is the truth and yours is a myth. Hey, I don't want anything to do with these wars. That kind of talking got John Kennedy clipped. Got Martin Luther King clipped. Hey, you know what? Remember what I said? At the moment of my death, my sins are washed away because I'm doing this for America and for my God. And that has healed me. And if you dedicate yourself to this movement and you join us in the strategy, you're going to find that your well-being is going to be improved and you too will die resolved in the goodness of your actions. That's the benefit of being involved in this movement at this time. There's a benefit. There's a benefit. It's called human well-being. So I'm going to commit that going forward, I'm going to go after the Democrat side of the uni party equation because at the same time I'm going after the Republican side because they're the same people. And we're going to work on that together. I want to thank you for joining me. We're going to go out with a beautiful piece of music. It's the Bach Takata and Fugue in D minor. It's played by a bunch of college students, young people. And I'm playing this for two reasons. One, I don't think I'm going to have any copyright problems with it because it's a college competition, had very few views. But beyond that, look at the artistry of these young people. Look at what happens when we invest in our children and give them discipline and give them hope and give them well-being. Look what they can accomplish. This is so 
wonderful. There's so much virtuosity here. I want to go out with it. I want to thank you for joining. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be with you. I wish you a good weekend, and I wish you well-being. Thank you very much.